Welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. Well, this is part two. This week is part two of my interview with Andrew Vick. We did run out of space on the SD card. This SD card has been used since the end of 2020 and finally ran out of space on this interview. But we only really missed a couple couple minutes of the conversation. Basically, we had ended the trip with Andrew Vick at the marina where he's leaving his boat at. And he was just talking a little bit about the marina. And I'm zooming in right now to tell you the name of the marina. Uh, the marina is uh, Riposto, R-I-P-O-S-T-O marina on the east coast of Sicily, just south of Terramina. But he was talking about leaving his boat there in the water for the first time in many years where he's leaving his boat in the water for the winter. And we talked about, uh, I think you might have missed this, the trouble he's going to have is the ash from Mount Etna when he goes back, probably boat will be covered with ash as I experienced in Sicily when I was sailing there two summers ago. Anyway, I'm not going to try to recreate that few minutes, so we're just going to cut it off there. This interview went <laughs> almost two hours in length total. So let's get on to the second part of my interview with Andrew Vick for the summer of 2022. There's one anchorage on the west side of the town and another one on the east side of the old town. As I'm looking at your tracks here. Yeah, and the track gets a little funny. I think my navigation system went off offline uh, a bit, so that's why I see these awkward straight lines. Uh, okay, you know, yeah, okay. Like yeah. My, this, this orange line looks like it's sailing right across the old town, which obviously it didn't. Um, west side of the old town, there's some small little, you know, that's where they did some Game of Thrones filming. There's nowhere really to take a take a sailboat there's some small local boats going i never thought there was but i thought oh did he really anchor here but obviously that's a mistake that drop in there that's what i'm looking at yeah yeah well only yeah 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 that drop in that's where the navigation uh started again sometimes there are a couple lapses in the so but no so the main yeah i mean but i did so even though i spent most of the time anchored there right off the old town i did go up to the acm marina just to recharge you know sometimes you got it you got to tie up. Nice, mm-hmm. you know. If it hasn't rained in a while, you want to, you know, rinse the boat down, do some laundry. You know, there's a supermarket sure. right in the yep. ACI Marina, so easy to provision, easy to uh, do laundry. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's a good marina. I've, like I say, that's where I tend to winter is that marina up there. So, but where you actually anchored here, did uh, did any of the officials come out and tell you you had to move, or did they just leave you alone there? Left me alone. You know, all, it didn't happen this summer, but one summer, and I've anchored here many, many, many times over many years. One time a guy came out from the Port Authority and actually said, you know, the minimum charge for anchoring here is 600 kuna, which is basically about 90 U.S. dollars. Mm-hmm. And that was the one time in all these years that he came out. And they have a sign. There's actually a big placard on shore by the Port Authority office. And it says that very thing. You know, there's a charge. So, so they go around and they collect from the big yachts. I think I've been mostly left alone, but um, but one time I was kind of pretty miffed about it because it's so high. I mean, like I said, other places you drop your own anchor, maybe it's 30, 40 euro at the worst case, at least for a small boat like mine, a you know, 36-footer. Um, but, man, yeah, I had to cough up 90 bucks one one time. <laughs> one so, time. But the way I see it, I've anchored there probably 20 nights over the years. So. Okay, so... So if you amortize that over 20 nights, it's not so bad then. Right, right. Yeah. So, But I tell you what, at this point in the summer front, it was getting hot. It was so hot yeah. that I didn't even dare to set foot into town until, until it got dark, until the sun went down. There was no point being on land because it, it was just horrible. <laughs> just, yeah. It was a hot summer overall. It just remained. I mean, by this time, it's what? July, you know, 30, 20, 27, 25th. Yeah, 27th here. Yeah. And, it, and it's hot. So, yeah. now when, I had a good time. When, so that was four nights. When, when, when you took your dinghy ashore, is there a dinghy dock you tied up on on the inside there? 
Not really. You know, you go in and, and, and this little harbor, if anyone's ever been to Dubrovnik, it's that east side where mm-hmm. the little, you know, little day trips go out. Yeah, you got to just kind of squeeze in among the locals. I was yelled at once. Um, they said, no, nah, you shouldn't do it. But I, you know, I found a spot where I seemed to be out of the way of others. And that's actually too shallow for even, you know, the, the water's about a foot deep. So I don't think they could put a local boat there anyway. So, but yeah, you kind of squeeze in. You know, but, but then you're standing, you, I mean, it's magical to take your dinghy. Let's say it's night and it's all lit up and you're just coming into this beautiful old medieval walls like old harbor it's just it's really magic that is a, magic. that's a great place to enter that the town from is that old harbor there that is really spectacular mm-hmm. exactly yep so and then uh and then it was goodbye croatia right so uh woke up one morning there in dubrovnik had a couple new crew ready to go we uh we did the whole checkout thing down in Saptat, mm-hmm. which is the southernmost uh you know departure point or where you can check out with customs, I should say. So that went smoothly enough. And then that was pretty sad. I was told the harbor master as he was filling out the exit papers. I said, yeah, you know, I've been here so many years and I'm leaving. And then I, I can't believe it. <laughs> and uh, so we had, he was, he was super nice. He was very sympathetic and said, well, come back sometime. So, so yeah, so that was, you know, takes an hour or so to kind of run around to the different offices there. Um, anyway, and then turn the corner, you know, sail down the coast and, it's a little sad, you know, leaving. And then just as when you go down the coast towards Montenegro, um, you, you're pretty much a, a beam of the Dubrovnik airport. And the craziest thing is, we're, you know, motoring down. There's not a whole lot of wind. There's a plane taking off. And I look, I said, you know what? That's a United Airlines plane. The crazy thing is, I think in the summer, in summer only, I think there are three flights by any American airline into straight from the U.S. to Croatia. And that's the Newark Dubrovnik route. Hmm. This is one of those, you know, three planes a week that just happened to be you know, taking off at the same time. It did a big loop in front of us and around us and you know, started flying back towards the U.S. So it was, it was kind of a little surreal. I kind of felt, took that as a sign somehow. That, uh, my, my home airline was, uh, was waving goodbye. Yeah, when I used to fly into Croatia, I would always have to fly up to Zagreb, but then catch a, a commuter flight down to Dubrovnik. So that... But I was always going on Delta, and Delta only flew to Zagreb, so I, uh, I didn't even know they had any U.S. flights that flew to Dubrovnik, so that's good information. It's been new. I mean, I mean Croatia in general is just getting, I mean, it, it's growing in popularity every year, and I've been watching this now for, you know, since 2008. And uh, and yeah, yeah, flights, I think Delta also started having some some direct flights, or was it American? Well, one or the other, but uh, in particular this summer, and of course, pandemic kind of, you know, changed a lot of things. But yeah, United was running their their nonstop Newark Dubrovnik hmm. uh, this summer. So okay, great. Yeah. So so of course you can't leave the Adriatic without you know checking out Montenegro because this uh, Montenegro is just amazing. It's it's small, but there's just there's a lot to see. So. So uh, I motored down, finally put up some sails. And typically, you round that corner into the bay, and suddenly you got some wind, right? Yeah, there's kind of a bay effect, and then you get some decent wind. So uh, now, is that marina up. that you stayed at? Is that a new marina? Because I don't even remember seeing that marina before. Well, so I went in, hung a right. This is Porto Montenegro, which right. I guess more or less opened about 15 years ago. Um, it's kind of established itself as a prime sort of mega yacht i mean it's you're so tucked in there and it's just a big mega yacht spot actually it's not puerto montenegro it's in one before that and uh yeah oh i came back to that one okay so that's but on the way you, out then okay yeah so if you see july 30th pulled into puerto montenegro yeah okay um and uh, i had some problems there pulled up to the customs dock and uh this is my bad. I, I screwed up. You know, I, I have this Coast Guard uh, six-pack license. Maybe mm-hmm. you have the same? Mm-hmm. No, I have the Masters, yeah. but same the same thing, yeah. Okay. This is nice little passport-looking thing, red booklet, and it's issued every five years. So I had to renew mine. So I sent in my paperwork, you know, in the springtime, but I hadn't received the new thing, the, the new certificate, the new license before I you know, flew to Europe. Mm-hmm. So. So, but it did eventually come, and I had someone take a picture of it back home and send me the picture of the new one with the new expiration date. But uh, 
But pulling the Montenegro, I have the old one, the picture, and I also have my American Sailing Association uh, instructor's certificate, too. So I'm thinking this is going to go smoothly. Well, it didn't. They're so, so particular hmm. in Montenegro. And that's fine. That, that, they're right. They can, they can you, know, you know, go uh, by the letter of the law as much as they want. It's their country. Um, but, man, it was, it was kind of stressful. So I was stuck there on the customs dock. They... They stamped me and the crew in. They stamped our passports. We were free to go around on town, but I had to leave the boat on the, in the quarantine zone of the customs dock. And then they were talking about things like I might have to leave the country. I might get fined for having even navigated in without a proper license. So it was, it was stressful. <laughs> was not happy. I had plans. I had crew flying in. I had a birthday week later. I had all, you know, it was, so I was, yeah, I was pretty shell-shocked. For, for a bit there. Wow, and, I didn't uh, know, you know, I always thought, well, I've, I'm an American, we don't have to have licenses, but hey, I have this license, and as long as I have this one, whether it expires or not, it shows that I'm qualified to operate the damn boat, but boy, I've never heard of that before. Yeah, right? Oh, they were, they were, oh, they were strict. And, and I wasn't the only boat on the custom stock. There were two other boats that were kind of there for a while, sorting out whatever paperwork issue. My other friend, he had a problem. He sailed in, but his boat was in an LLC, a limited liability corporation, this mm-hmm. American structure thing we have. And so they gave him a hard time because he didn't have all the LLC papers with him, something like this. So. Really? Well, that's interesting because I just changed the registration on my boat from myself and my wife as uh, joint tenants with right of survivorship to my trust for for estate reasons. So now the trust owns the boat and I'm the operator of the boat. I'm wondering if they're going to give me nonsense about that. You know, well, if you, you end up back in Montenegro, even, I mean, Croatia is supposed to be, you know, they're known to be pretty strict too, but yeah, yeah. So bring your trust papers with you too. <laughs> I hadn't even thought about that. Now I'm going to go print it out and take it with me. So. Yeah. So I'm there in Montenegro feeling completely stuck and completely helpless and they're saying, oh, you just got to sail sail out of here again you, you, you might have to just kick you out and they said they said well tomorrow we're going to talk to the more lenient harbor master because what happens when you come into Porto Montenegro they have all the offices right there on site and there's even a liaison from the marina that kind of helps you through the process which is super nice super you know high service level and really nice guy from the marina he's doing his best and he says well okay tomorrow the, the, the more lenient harbor master is going to be on duty let's try again then so, but that that didn't work, and he said, "Okay, well, you can stay another twenty four hours, but then we're really going to have to, you know, you're probably going to have to leave." So, oh, really? So, okay. Yeah. So but, you never actually yeah. checked in then. Well, so then I I, I called a, uh, this acquaintance of mine. There's a girl who who lives in San Francisco, but spends a lot of time with her family in Montenegro. She's from Montenegro, and I called her up, and I said, "Hey, I'm here." I told her ahead of time it was coming. We were totally going to meet anyway. Um, but I have this problem. So she called her brother. She called around. You know, Montenegro is only, what, 800,000 people or something. She she made the right phone calls. You know, it's, it's small enough. She, she found the right people to talk to. And they somehow, well, they sorted it out. She said, fine, you meet me at 9 a.m. at that office. We're going to get it all sorted out. What they ended up doing was finding a Croatia, a Montenegrin guy with a skipper's license to be on my crew list as skipper oh okay <laughs> and uh i won't necessarily say that this skipper was on board for the rest of the time that i was navigating in montenegro i won't confess or admit to that or one way or the other <laughs> but that was my key to getting finally getting my cruiser's permit and being you know permitted to uh well to, to navigate around but it was a horrible two days and and again i i, I take the blame i, I should have I guess I should have filled in all the paperwork for our Coast Guard license and the drug tests and all that, you know, much earlier than I did. But, yeah. Hmm. Well, I'm glad I renewed mine earlier this year, so it's good for another five years. But, uh, boy, at some t- point in time it'll expire, and I don't plan on renewing it, or I won't pass the medical, or whatever whatever other reason I won't be able to renew it. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's uh, – but I would think – since we are not required in America to even have a license to operate a boat, that just having an expired one would be would would be good enough, but not to them, I guess. Huh? Wow. 
You would think so. You'd say, well, I, I, here it was, it was July. I'm like, well, this thing ex- expired in May. I mean, do you think my skills have deteriorated in the last <laughs> two months? I mean, come on. Let's, but, you know, but hey, they, it's their choice. They can enforce letter of the law. And, you know, we just have to respect that as, as visitors. And, uh, yep. But anyway, lesson learned. Yep. Definitely won't, won't push, push those limits again. So, so finally checked in. And I tell you, once I got that, uh, oh, it was crazy. When I came back then. To the, to the office and said, okay, hey, I said, I look at this. I got my, I got my uh, cruiser's permit. And they were in a little bit disbelief. You know, this liaison from the Marine. He goes, oh, wow, I'm impressed. <laughs> so, and as soon as we got the green light to leave the customs dock, I was just out of there. I yeah, yeah. Left. And you, it, but we had a... Mm-hmm. And you didn't use that to check out. You probably checked out a Couture instead, didn't you? Um, oh, actually, like, no, I, I see you went far down, farther down to, uh, to uh, Bar to check out so actually uh, budva budva but, uh, okay yeah. Budva. yeah yeah definitely it was not sitting good anywhere near port to montenegro again although my crew had a good time um <laughs> they uh were able to use the pool at the regis or whatever and it was yeah i mean the place is all high end i mean it's too it, it's too artificial really but but it's a nice little you know upscale disneyland kind of Kind of spot did they and, charge you and, did they charge you to stay at the uh the customs dock or did, was that free they did they charged me full price there's no water electricity <laughs> you know we had to climb way up this wall yeah, it's like an eight foot wall to fence. get out of your boat there it's terrible yeah yeah so and then they called me i was so fast to leave and uh, you know and, and they called me like a couple of, hey you need to pay for the stay and i was happy to pay. I just okay here's my credit card just take it that's cool so, wow <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I tell you, that custom stock at the very far end is not the custom stock anymore. But the Black Pearl, which I believe is the world's biggest, one of the world's biggest sailboats, is permanently has its home base at the outer end of the custom stock. So I was, I was in good company. There was good scenery. The Black Pearl is this black boat with this three unstayed carbon fiber mast. With this, uh, you're familiar? No, I'm not. I'll have to look it up. Oh, I, I'm looked zooming in on it. I see a big. Uh... So that's right in front of you there is what you're talking about, that boat right in front yeah. of you. Yeah. I'm zoomed in. You can see it tied up to the side there. Yeah. Huge boat. Yeah, so that's kind of fun to be, you know, seeing the Black Pearl. I mean, this is a very high-profile boat. I mean, one of the most impressive sailboats ever made. So, yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, got out of Monte- got out of Porto Montenegro in the town of and said, I'm out of here. You know, just get left, just... And went further inland, of course, you know, you can't go into Montenegro without going all the way into the fjord in Kotor, you know, the town at the very head of the fjord. And, you know, it's just super stunning scenery. And there, as you know, it looks like you're in the in the Sierras, you're sailing in Yosemite National Park or maybe like a Norwegian fjord or something. It's just absolutely stunning. So had a couple nights there in Kotor. I guess you've been there, maybe done the hike. Oh, done the that. Church, I've I've done that many times. Yeah, and I've I've checked out of Couture too, um, and it's easy to check out. It was just a piece of cake to check out. You just have to a long ways to go to actually get out of the uh, the fjords. And I'm just looking up the Wikipedia information on the Black Pearl. Okay, but it's not telling me who owns it. I wonder who owns it. So, oh, Oleg Burla. Okay, so some. Uh, some Russian oligarch from the name of this the name Berlakov. Okay, Berlakov. Mm-hmm. Oleg Berlakov. Yeah, pretty cool vote though. Yeah. That's cool. And I think that the primary owner had actually just died a couple of years ago. So I think there's been some change in use or ownership or it's in an estate or something. But the but the main guy who owned it actually died. Not but, not a whole lot. There's always a bunch of big mega yachts tied up in there. Of course, that marina was built for mega yachts by uh, by uh, by the former head or by the founder of uh, Barrick Gold. Is the guy that built that marina? I'm trying to remember the his Porto name. Montenegro uh-huh. one, yeah, yeah. And he set the stage now for. I tell you, Montenegro has the nicest, fanciest marinas I've ever seen, and, and they keep springing up. So you you mentioned. Um, well, so when I left Kotor, we left, went out the fjord again, and the next stop, spot I stayed was the Porto Novi, which is a pretty Newport. new. Yeah, okay, yeah, that was being built, and I never went in there when I went by there before. So, yeah, I tell you, super fancy, everything clean, top service. They even have finger docks instead of like uh, you know yeah. med mooring and all that. 
you actually tie up along a finger as you do where you have in places where you have tidal range, um, which is convenient. Nice sometimes to step off the side of those, especially our boats weren't too designed to, to, to step off the rear, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's always a pain. It's always an adventure getting on and off my boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Porto Novi, it's crazy. It, it, and it, it's like a, a third full. I mean, it was just, and here we are, what, early August. This is high, high season. It's just kind of just stumble right in, ample space. It's so clean and nice. Bathrooms are air conditioned, and it's just, it's top notch. It is. And it was only, I think we paid like 65 euro for the okay. night. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Which, which is probably somewhat less than any marina in Croatia. In Croatia, my boat would be probably 75, mm-hmm. typically, for, for a night. So, And the, the Sportanovi is also right next to, or sort of part of this, something called the one and only resort, which I'd never heard of before. But we escorted ourselves around the grounds of the nearby one and only resort, and it's like 1,500 euro a night, they say, and it's just, it's spectacular. It was <laughs> empty, <laughs> but spectacular. Yeah, I'm looking at. It. Yeah, I'm zoomed in on it. Uh, yeah, I vaguely. Yeah, I vaguely remember under construction when I went by there the last time, but uh, so it's all popped up since I was in Montenegro. Then our next stop, we, we want to go to Herzegnovi, which is a cool town also here within the, you know, within these bays. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was pretty windy and it's tough to tie up on the main key in Herzegnovi. But they have a brand new marina just before it called Marina uh, Lazur. So L-A-Z-U-R-E. The thing means leisure. Um, and again, this is just super fancy, lots of space, clean, perfect. Like just, I mean, these are the nicest marinas in, that, that I've seen, really. So, Yeah, a bunch more marinas than when I first went in there. It looks like three new marinas since I first went in there. And Herzegnovi, I tried to pull into that marina, and they just kicked me out as fast as they could. There was no room. They didn't even... They didn't even talk to me about staying in there. It looks to me like you huh. went in and went out as well through there. I went in. I got a little stuck. You know, it's pretty notorious. I mean, they got a good breeze in this bay in the afternoons. And so you have this horrible crosswind, very narrow spot. And once you commit, it's, it's, it's hard to uncommit. And, you know, I think your boat is even worse than mine when it yeah. comes to reversing. Yeah, it's a full but, keel boat, does not turn around. It's just dangerous to even get in narrow channels like that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and I shouldn't have, um, but but I went for it. But yeah, I got out unscathed, but it was yeah very stressful. So then we, you see, we kind of turned back and went into that uh, mm-hmm. Marina Lazur instead. So then we walked to Herzegovina, beautiful trail path, you know, along the just along the water. So so left Marina Lazur. So we exited now the uh, that whole Bay of Kotor and went down to uh, to Budva. Actually, on the way to Budva, we had a swim stop. You might see it, something called Almara Beach Club. Yeah, I'm looking at it. I've never pulled in there. It looks really nice. Yeah. I spent a few nights there over the years. Beautiful turquoise bay. I mean, three meters throughout. It's just such a perfect, easy place to anchor. A little beach beach bar on shore that goes quiet at night. But next to that is something called Lustica Marina. Uh-huh. This is also some new, fancy, high-end. I mean, Montenegro is... I mean, Montenegro's economy, I think, is based on a lot of Russian money, basically. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, these places are built for rich Russians with big yachts. And so there's another new marina right just uh, next to Almara Beach Club, which is didn't pop in, but it, I'm sure it's similarly fancy to the to the other three that I've mentioned. Yeah, so I'm looking at it, that, and that, that is new as well. You're right. It's... Uh... It's not that big a marina, a couple keys, three keys it looks kind of like coming out, but uh, nice. And a whole other yeah. real estate development around it, it looks like. so. And that's all new. I mean, the first time I dropped anchor in, in here was probably 2010. I mean, that it didn't exist. There was nothing. It was just wild. And some Montenegrins aren't too happy about it. I mean, with this one friend of mine, she was, uh, yeah, you're, you're scarring the land. You know, you're just kind of, you're ex- exploiting it, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the way I feel about the development around Park City. So I can understand that feel. So. <laughs> right. So, but then ultimately got down into Budva, which is one of my favorites because it's 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 really fun. It's like kind of uh, kind of you know like war in Croatia. Like it's just it's a party place. It's just energy. <laughs> it's young people. It's it's just crazy. And actually celebrated my birthday. Had a bunch of friends fly in. So had uh, three nights there. Was uh, yeah, just 
just a lot of fun. They're a little off, though. They count on uh, a lot of Russians, Ukrainians, Serbians, you know, Bulgarians to, to come. And there was definitely a, a noticeable lack of Russians and Ukrainians, obviously, with the situation going on, you know, up, you know, up north with the war. Hmm. So, so it wasn't as crowded. Every time I've been there, it's been jam-packed. Yeah, this this summer was different, and yeah, that was yeah. It's sad overall, um, but yeah, that was a sign that you know, Russians, I think, aren't traveling too easily, and Ukrainians, you know, dealing with with what they're dealing with. So, but I see that they stuck you way out about as far from the office as they could, just like they did me. So you have a long walk to even <laughs> get into the office. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, they put the transient boats there, and there was wasn't a whole lot of room actually. Well, I. You see, I'm on the outside. Mm-hmm. I always ask to be on the inside, but the inside was just kind of fully booked, more or less, for the whole summer. So you're on the outside, taking, you're getting a lot of, you know, wake from uh, from the passing excursion boats and things. But it was it was all right. Um, but yeah, the heavy yeah, office. It is a long walk to the office and the showers and all that. But still, it's 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 a great spot. You're you know, once you step on shore, you're in the middle of the. In the middle of the action, anyway. Yeah, you can get your 10,000 steps in just getting into the office. That's what it works out. Right. Yeah, so that was great. This is, though, there was a wind. I think the the two second nights I was there, it was... So all this time, even though I was saying how hot the summer has been so far, the night times were always bearable, except two nights in Budva. It was was like someone put a hairdryer on. The night, it was 90 degrees at, at midnight. It was 32 Celsius at, at midnight, with a hot wind blowing, and it was the only. It was the worst two nights of the, of the whole summer in terms of sort of you know sleep, you know nighttime temperature. It was just it was dry. It was like hot. My buddy from Arizona said, "Oh, this kind of this seems like home in the summer." Well, it was but hot it was, throughout the entire Mediterranean because when you were doing this, I was moving my boat to Spain, and it was hot everywhere. It felt like so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a hot summer. It, it seemed like, and there, there are some summers like that. I remember 2015 was also like just, uh, it was just hot everywhere, wildfires, and yeah. Yeah, that's when you go rent a car and turn on the air conditioning and drive inland. That's what that's what I typically do. When it's so hot, I can't oh, even be yeah. on the boat. So <laughs> no, we've I'm driven all over the like... we've driven all over the interior of Montenegro, which is a really cool country to explore by car if you get a chance, and. Uh, there's some really neat monasteries farther inland that uh, that we explored. And also, we went all the way out through there and then up through. Uh, uh, we did a big circle where we went from um, from Kator. We drove all the way up to the upper upper park, way up t- high, then back down to the main. T- oh, I'd have to look at my route, but we basically did a big, big circle through the back country there. And it was it's worth. And you don't see much many t- tourists doing it. They always stay on the beach and they never never go inland. But it's a spectacular country to explore by car as well. Oh, it's so mountainous. I, I've done it once a few years back. Uh, yeah, we took a car, went to the top of the mountain there. It's just stunning. It was crazy to drive. <laughs> I'm glad. I, you know, I let my friends drive. We rent a car. I say, hey, I've, uh, I've been steering the boat you know, all this time. Now you're going you're gonna to steer something. So I refuse to drive. Or the one car. with all the switchbacks all the way up and down. Yeah, that's that's a bad road to drive. The first time I let somebody else drive, the next time was my wife and I, and I had to drive. So she enjoyed it. I didn't that much the second time around. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. But I tell you, that air conditioning trick is, yeah, I, I tell my friends, too, I said, I don't care where we go. Yeah, it could be somewhere else, whatever country I'm in. I don't care where we go today, but let's just get a car. So we can just sit in a little air-conditioned <laughs> spot for the day, and just because you don't get any relief in the med, you know, no. the med is so like my Arizona, this other Arizona friend. This girl came out, oh, I can handle heat. She says she's from Arizona, <laughs> and there we are in Dubrovnik, and she's like, well, where, where's all the indoor spaces? Where you know, where's the indoor mall? Where's the indoor restaurant? You know, but no, they can't accommodate thousands of people indoors, right? It's all outdoor sidewalk, cafe seating, right? Mm-hmm. So. So there, you don't spend much time indoors. So, as you would, I, I assume Arizona, Florida. You know, if you're you know, in the summer, you're probably indoors in massive, cool spaces. You know, you're dining indoors. You know, you're probably not outside a whole lot. Yeah, yeah. All right. So then you cleared out. That's where you cleared out. Then 
No, you Probably. went. No, no, no. You went on down to uh, to Budva to clear out then. Oh, you actually. Oh, so you did clear out of Budva. That's right. Okay, so I'm seeing this because you didn't go down to Bar. I guess that's the next town down, isn't it, Bar? Bar, yeah, I didn't go to Bar. So this is my final stop on the on the Balkan coast. Was was Budva? Yeah, Bar is. Uh, well, for the down I've been at Bar once. I don't know. It seemed a little big and kind of industrial. So I haven't been back to Bar. I know a lot of people check in and out there. Um, but I don't know. I guess I'm a little spoiled. I, I want to say wow all the time. So Budva, Kotor, you know, Herzegovi, they make me say wow, and Bar just makes me say ew. Yeah, you know, cause it's, yeah. It's just an industrial little town, is all it is. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so you did not go into Brindisi when you came across. You went straight to Ortonto. Is that right? Yeah. So now is the big yeah the big departure. We got the big overnighter all set up after the fun weekend in Budvad. Yeah, and I was intending to go to Brindisi, Brindisi. Um, and what happened? I tell you, we uh, we left Budva. We put the sails up. We had this beautiful wind on the beam. You know, probably, you know, 15, 17 knots on the beam. And um, we had a great sail. Sailed through the night. You know, what do we? We left around noon. Uh, sailed through the night. And I tell you, we were going too fast. <laughs> it looked like we were going to arrive in Brindisi at like 5 in the morning or something. Because, you know, I, I, I figured we were going to do 5 knots. I figure sometimes, okay, you motor at 6, maybe you're sailing at 4, you know. So, you know, you're probably going to average 5. So, but we were averaging, you know, averaging well above six because the wind was so perfect. Um, and I said, well, why don't we just detour? I don't want to arrive in Brindisi at 5 a.m. And, you know, and and if we bore off a little bit, uh, we'd have a little bit of a more comfortable sailing angle. So we went straight for Otranto. Okay. Instead. Could you could you clear in in Otranto or not? Yes, for sure. Okay. Because I've always gone straight to Brindisi mainly to clear in. I've stopped it. Or Tonto, but I didn't know it was a clearance port, so I guess you could then, huh? That's yeah, absolutely, yeah. Right where you tie up on kind of the main wall, yeah, there's the Coast Guard office yeah, right there, ready, ready to handle you. So. Okay, well, good information for, for the next people that want to go there. I always, I did not know that that was a clearance port, because like I say, I've snuck in there, spent a night, and uh, wandered around, but not legally, and then gone up to Brindisi to clear in the next day, so... I didn't realize you could clear in there. So it's funny if you zoom out on that line on my Google Earth file, you see we were we were pointing straight at Mendici for a while, and then about two thirds of the way across, we uh, yeah, you you change course and come right down the coast. Then that's interesting. Yeah, I tell you that wind never settled. When you have you know fifteen to twenty blowing, you know, and you have fetch all the way up to Venice, which is hundreds of miles, you know, the sea starts to get kind of lumpy, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, spoiled child I've been. I've been in Croatia where we don't we don't have swell. You know, you're always sailing. It's more like lake sailing because you're always in some semi-protected area, right? So, but luckily, you know, we were on a broad reach. I mean, it was it was it was fast. You know, we weren't pounding, but the boat is rolling a lot. And in fact, you know, one crew of mine he he was down for the count the whole way over, and and my other crew wasn't too enthusiastic. I, I hand or I didn't hand steer, but I was up at the helm from about one a.m. You know, for a ten-hour shift. Mm. a bit hard yeah 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 so So did you do any land-based travel while you were in southern italy or did you just uh, stay on the boat we ended up you know in all by the end of this this story i've rented we'll have rented the car four times okay (laughs) because because that's just seems to be what you do you know partially to keep cool and partly because Italy isn't all that conducive. Again, spoiled child. I was, you know, island hopping. I was, you know, staying in beautiful bays or these little villages where the boat is kind of the epicenter here. You know, you get to Italy or this part of Italy, you're coastal cruising, you know, from, you know, one, you know, sort of artificial harbor to the next. And, yeah, so the thing to do is rent a car. And there's a lot to see, of course. You know, unlike Croatia, there's, I mean, there's, Italy has so much going on inland. I mean, towns like Lecce and Ostuni and, I mean, all over Puglia, the region where Toronto is, I mean, you can, amazing road trips you can do and seeing so much to see. But it's kind of strange that along the seaside, you aren't really the, the main attractions. I mean, Toronto is a, a pretty stunning spot, mm-hmm. um, but it's inland seems it seems to have more of the attractions. You know, these hilltop towns, 
right? Yeah. Not so much. That's what I was wondering. I wondered if you did get up to Leche and some of those other places because uh, it's such a cool place to visit. So. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So. So yeah. You, anyway. So you went around the corner. Uh, you spent one or two nights in Ortranto, and then you spent. Did you spend a night right down there on the tip? Then at. Uh, it looks like you did. I did. I'll tell you something interesting first about Otranto that uh, you pull in. Oh boy, the seas were pretty wild. When, when we finally turned the boat up into the wind to douse the mainsail, I mean, my bow was just buried in it. I mean, the waves were so steep. There must have been some, you know, countercurrent or something against the wind, but it was some steep, nasty seas. And now we're talking in more like, you know, the 25 knot range of wind. Mm-hmm. And as I'm looking at Otranto, I'm like, okay, so where's the opening to the harbor? And and there isn't really. No, so the harbor is just open. Yeah. <laughs> and like, how am I going to get protection here? So I'm starting to freak out. Like, why did I leave Croatia? Like, where am I going to hide? Like, if I don't pull in here, I mean, it's 20, well, it's 25 miles from the next spot. But we're done. We're tired. <laughs> we just sailed through the night. And uh, But luckily, you know, you pull into Toronto, you can, we first dropped anchor because there's a reasonable place to anchor. Even in those conditions, it was so so yeah it's always lumpy it doesn't matter if it's pure calm it's still lumpy where you anchor there because i've I've mm-hmm. anchored in that area it's it's lumpy it's always lumpy at night there yeah and i hadn't remembered it was wide open like, how can this be a place i mean this is so wide open so but we get the anchor down just to kind of you know kind of regroup a little bit eat a little something and then i'm looking over at the kind of where it's hard to figure out in in Italy, you know, there's several pontoons in Otranto. There's a little wall, and then there's the big town, or the, the port wall, too, the sea wall. Um, and I'm trying to, you look at Navali, you're trying to figure out who to call, you're not getting, you know, they don't speak English, I don't speak much Italian, maybe a little Spanish. And it's just kind of hard to navigate and figure out, okay, who to call, who might have open space. But I went on Navali. Navali has a really cool feature. Have you used this app? In I have. It's, it's, been, it's, a, it's one of those I use on a regular basis, yeah. I mean, it's amazing, you know, the crowdsource reviews, but there's a cool feature of it. Of course, we sign in, we have a little account. You can see where other people are on your map, too, and you can actually message them. So, so I see there's a Dutch guy who presumably is going to speak English, and he is right along the, the main key there. So, I, so I, I message him, and I say, hey, what's the deal? I see there's an open spot. Who do I call? No one's really answering. He says, oh, yeah, call this guy. And then by the time I called this guy, the Italian guy, he already knew it. And, and said, yeah, we have a spot. So, oh, okay. so this Navali thing, is, it's amazing. That's a great feature that you can actually just kind of reach out to someone. I mean, here we are in the same port. You could even reach out to someone in the next port say, hey, how's the space? You know, is it comfortable in this condition? You know, so, so Navali is super cool. Well, you've used it more than I have. I've just read reviews of where to go. I haven't ever tried to message anybody, but. Maybe it's worth getting an account. I have a free account. I've never actually paid for an account with them, but uh, it may be worth doing. I don't pay either, but but I have a login. I don't know if they make you actually have a login, but once you have a login, and, which is free, you, know, you have to have your mm-hmm. username and password, and you can put your boat details in as well. Uh, but that just automatically enabled the ability to message with, uh, with other users. Hmm. So it was okay. awesome. Use that several times. All right. Interesting. So now, now you spend now. Now let's talk about the next day down, going down the coast to the tip there, and uh, let's see. Yeah, this is my first. So Otranto I've been to before, but now I'm in Santa Maria di Leuca, which is really, really the bottom tip of the heel of of Italy. And I think this is. I imagine you must have pulled in here at times. Well, I'm doing. And I'm looking at this, and I'm trying to visualize this. If this is where I scrape the bottom of my boat, trying to get into the fuel dock. Okay. I'm not sure if this is the one or not. It looks like that, but I, I think I pulled in to refuel here, uh, because no, 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 because I had refueled in, uh, in Brindisi. And so I didn't need to refuel here. So it was not this. I don't think I just went by this harbor. I never went into this harbor. I came down, and on the day that I left Ortonto, I went all the way across the bay to uh, to another anchorage across the uh, across the bay over there. So mm-hmm. so it was a long day for me because I was trying to make time. I was trying to get to Sicily to pick up my family. So I was in a hurry. But no, you, so you spent a night in this little bay here then, this little harbor here then. So I'm trying to look at the name of it here. 
Yeah. Santa Maria di Leuca. Yeah, it's kind okay. of a natural spot. I mean, if you're coming down from Otranto, I think it's about mm-hmm. 25, 30 miles. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a nice, you know, nice day hop. But imagine most people, I mean, if you are leaving or approaching the Adriatic from the west, you're probably going to stop there. It's mm-hmm. just kind of, you know, yeah. geographically a pretty natural spot to stop. So, and and it's cool. Of course, it's still this kind of rigmarole. You know, you try to call the little marina. Hey, do you have a spot? They're like, oh, we're not sure. <laughs> So, and then if you've ever been there before, you're like, well, what happens if, you know, you're totally shut out? But, but in this case, there was also the, the big, the big seawall that's been, you know, it's an artificial harbor and they built this massive seawall that you could tie a tank or two. Um, and that's a, and that's a freebie for, for transients. Oh, and that's where and you that's tied up. Used. It looks, yeah, it looks like that's where you tied up. Okay. Tied up right. I write for free, you know, but you read online. Oh, it's not safe. It's not secure, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I didn't, once I got there, I didn't feel in any way insecure um and it's free i just have something interesting along that seawall and this is a like i said you could tie a lot of boats along there was a several derelict sailboats that had been used in the migrant trade <laughs> okay. that were just tied up there okay just left left to rot then right there then yeah so these are you know recent model you know charter boats mostly with turkish uh hailing ports um that presumably were loaded up with migrants you know sent off and you know into italian water and said hey italy you know take care of this so presumably you know the 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 people were hopefully rescued and then they have this boat and then they just pull the boat in tie it up they don't use fenders if there are no fenders they don't even use fenders they just tie it up you know furling head sail kind of tatting you know just kind of blowing in the wind and these boats are really just being left to rot yeah that's too bad i saw that in another port along the italian coast as well maybe we'll get to that one Later on, if we, uh, if you went to the same harbor I did, I can't remember the name of it, but there were about four boats up on the hard that looked like they'd been purposely holed so somebody couldn't use them again. So, huh. yeah, it was strange. But uh, anyway, continuing on. So you spent just one night here and then continued on. It looks like that was the one I yeah, Santa Maria yeah. di Leuca. Yeah, kind of a cool spot. At first, you kind of walked around. I mean, the town wasn't too. In- Firing. Um, but then when the sun goes down, suddenly like people, thousands of people just kind of descend from who knows where <laughs> and stroll around and do their, you know, Italians love to walk. They, they just like doing their passeggiata, just walking back and forth, eating their ice cream, getting dinner and all that. Yeah, you see so, that so all over Italy. That's that's unique. I think that's unique to Italy. I don't see it really anywhere else. Maybe a little bit in Greece, but not so much in Greece. But boy, in Italy... The night comes alive, and everybody goes out and wanders around and talks to their neighbor and says hello. And there's a real social aspect to the evenings in Italy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it was cool. So so again, you know, in the beginning is like, oh, what is this place? And then it just yeah, just totally comes to life. So so, uh, and this is really high season. I mean, this is the middle of you know the Ferragosto like you know holiday period, smack in the middle of it. So. Yeah, next stop, you know, someone had told me years ago that a place called Gallipoli, which is up inside the uh, the heel mm-hmm. of uh, Italy, said that was a really fun place. Okay, and I've never, I didn't even think of going up there, so tell me about it. Yeah, well, it was, we, we had to bash, you know, there was, at this point, the weather's getting a little volatile, and uh, and it was it was a bash, I almost turned around, but uh, anyway, we, we went up. Um, it's a big place, it's a beautiful walled old town massive old town right on the water i mean the, yeah it, it's super pretty but it was packed and you know, i had this idea <laughs> that i would you know august 15th is ferragosto in italy so this is then the night before is the biggest celebrations i mean it, it's pretty busy all these two weeks of the middle of august but that night is, is kind of the the climax so to speak and yeah, it was just crazy busy we pulled into a marina called marina blue you can actually tie it for free for up to five days uh, on on the seawall, hmm. um, but you know when we were in there, it, it's a pretty big harbor. It was blowing about twenty. Um, there's a lot of chop in the harbor, and I just just wasn't comfortable. You know, uh, med boring there. You know, no, no lazy line. You, know, you got to put your you know, grease stop, put your anchor out, and back up to the wall. You know, no one's there to help you or anything. So, so um, somehow, you know, we passed by this marina. We just kind of waved our hands. You know, we tried calling ahead, of course, but. You know, Either don't answer or say, no, we don't have room, but just kind of waved the right time to the right guy. And, oh, yeah, we got a spot. So managed to, uh, yeah, get a get a slip. And then uh, in, in Marina Blue, 
it's a bit of a walk to town. And this is when Italy started. Italy's too busy. It's too crowded. You know, you're, we had to walk under some railroad tracks with this little tunnel that only you know, a five-footer could like walk underneath without ducking. Um, and then out to the road or this parking lot with tons of traffic and cars. I mean, Italy, Italy has a vibe to it. it, it it's chaos. It's chaos. <laughs> but sometimes it, it, it's – I like a little chaos, but it, it's too many cars, too many people. It was just nuts. I mean, we did stay three, four nights in this spot. It was, I mean, it was fun. It was a – super nice old town to explore but boy it was and then you end up with these other italian situations like you know the big nightclub is pretty far from town so you you, you drive there but there are hardly any taxis in these parts of italy no one needs them everyone has a car if anyone ever says america is car centric i mean you haven't been to italy because italy you gotta have a car <laughs> yeah so, yeah so they the public tra transportation in italy unless you're going between major cities is not very good. I've, I know I've oh, tried to do it. They, they don't have local buses that go on any sort of a regular schedule. And the train system's pretty good for getting between main cities. But once you get to the train station, there's no taxis, there's no buses. At least that was my experience when I got dropped off at a small train station in the middle of nowhere. Thankfully for the, the kindness of strangers, they took me where I needed it to go in the back of their car. But without that, I wouldn't have been able to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a challenge, you know. We also, oh, how do you get there? Oh, take your car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's kind of neat being in this marina because unlike, you know, Croatia, it's all just charter. It's all vacationers around you in the marina. But here it was like you were the, the one transient and everyone else was local, which is kind of neat. You know, they're, they're, yeah, you talk more to them. They're all curious. Oh, where did you come from? This is cool. You know, see the U.S. flag and. You know, English is more limited, so the conversations usually are you know, a little more basic. But but that, that's a nice, it's a nice little vibe. Yeah. In the marina, so we did we did rent a car in Gallipoli, you know, just to escape the heat. And also, uh, I had my crew change uh, or flying to Brindisi, so that was okay. about an hour drive. So okay, it so it wasn't that long of a drive. It was that close a drive to get to Brindisi, so it's not bad then. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that was Gallipoli. Yeah, that was a little disappointing. It was, it was a little, it was fun, but it was, uh, I don't know, a little scruffy at the same time. Let's say that. So, but it's a neat spot, and I think off season it would probably be really, yeah, really cool. So, if any cruisers are thinking going there, you know, not maybe not in August or late July, it's it's definitely a cool old town with a beautiful beach right in front of it. So, so that part is cool. Um, you know, the next, uh, and this is the first time, by the way, that the euro became equal to the dollar. Oh, really? You were there when it was that cheap then, huh? Yeah. It, it finally, we finally reached parity. You know, it hasn't happened, what, I think since probably like 2003 or something like that. Mm hmm So, and it makes things, I mean, I've been, a euro has cost us Americans as much as a dollar fifty mm -hmm. over the years. Mm -hmm. um, and typically, you know, dollar twenty, dollar thirty, a dollar, you know, and Oh man, to get that thing back to, to parity was, yeah, it, it helped. I mean, just <laughs> sometimes you look at a euro and just pretend it's dollars, but you know, <laughs> it, it isn't always. You're right. There's a time where six euros cost you nine dollars, right? That's mm -hmm. the, so. So we finally reached parity. So that was an amazing milestone of the summer. Yeah, so, it's gone back um, the other direction a little ways since then, but it, yeah, we'll see what happens. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right on. Yeah. Uh, left Gallipoli. Now, now we're talking. So unlike the you know Croatia, you can go five miles to, to the next awesome place, <laughs> but here we have seventy miles to cross over to uh, Crotona, which is not sure if you've been in there. No, I didn't um, go there. I'm looking at the harbor, and I don't think I went into that harbor. I went somewhere a little farther south. So, uh, so just tell me about it then. Yeah, you know, we mostly mowed or got a little sailing in the end, but we wanted to swim. Now, now let's let's put some things in perspective. Since leaving Montenegro, I haven't jumped off the boat yet, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. I haven't been in the cute little bay where you swim all the time. I've been in, you know, big harbors. I think we jumped in the water in that Santa Maria de Luca just off the transom just real quick, you know, but, but we haven't been swimming. <laughs> 
And I'm like, what's with, I have a boat. I should be swimming. So, so, and then we kind of stopped the boat. It, 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 you know, it was pretty calm for a bit. So, and then we looked down. We're surrounded by jellyfish. <laughs> there are jellyfish everywhere. Oh, jeez. So, okay. Oh, man. How, how, it's hot. How, how are we going to swim? We're on a boat. We should be swimming. So, yeah. Oh, as I start to think about how soon am I going to turn back and head back into the Adriatic. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I've seen a lot, of, but still, I've seen some cool new stuff so far. So, so I'm happy enough. But uh, yeah, Crotonia, 70 miles across. Um, again, you know, town, they have space for us, you know, friendly welcome. Town isn't, it's not like this beautiful, like, you know, old Roman or, you know, Venetian town at all. So, a little drab looking town. But again, when the, when the sun went down, yeah, the people just came out, the live music started. So, so, so super nice, super nice vibe. So, not not much um, to recommend it other than just a stopover, safe harbor, that sort of thing. Then, you know, this is a if you're going from the Adriatic and you're heading west, say to Sicily or back and forth. You know, this is this is kind of a coast of transit, as they say. It's mm-hmm. kind of you can yeah. either do it all in one one lump, just kind of just knock it out. In fact, when I entered the Adriatic in 2008, I went from Sicily all the way to Otranto without stopping, and that took me about 48 hours. That was a two day nonstop. So. Yeah, you can do that, but um, yeah, but it was fun, fun seeing these places. Crotona, yeah, it was pleasant enough. Um, next day, and there's one gem though. I mean, if you want to call the under the soul of Italy kind of coastal transit, there's one particular gem which is called La Castella, and it's about 20 miles further down down the the soul from Crotona, and. Uh, they a cute little yacht club with a little marina. You know, of course, we called ahead. No, no, there's no space. We show up. There's space. So one of those things where you're a little nervous. You know, what's the backup plan? Um, but cute little yacht club marina thing. And they have a castle right off the main town. There's this beautiful castle out on this little spit of land just in front of the town, almost like an island, little causeway. And that was spectacular. Such a cool, cool spot. Zoom on Google Earth and up yeah, I'm, sure I'm zooming in on that, and I don't think, up. yeah, I don't think I've ever been into that little harbor either. So, no, it's uh, that doesn't look familiar to me. No, it's interesting. It looks like a nice little cute spot, though. Yeah, it's really cool. This is, you know, if I were ever to, you know, reverse the passage and go back back up, I, I would definitely, you know, yeah, that one I would definitely stop in. So. Crazy though, on the day we were trying to get there, we had to we had to turn back or not back, but uh, we we're about a few about three miles short of the place, and we had such a nasty headwind and chop in front of us. We we weren't going to be able to sail it or motor it. So so thanks to Navali, we found a little anchorage. It's just, and if you really zoom in there on Google Earth, there's a little tiny spit of land sticking up. Yeah, I see, saw that. Yeah, I see that you went in there, and I see you spent a night there. And was that protected? How was that? It was amazing. It was only half a mile off of where we were getting like just beaten to death, and we tucked in there, and it was amazing. It was, and you know, I was so we got the hook down and a nice sandy patch, and I was so happy to be at anchor again. It'd been so long since I'd been properly just at anchor. We have a nice breeze coming through the hatches. You can jump off your boat. I was my my mood just changed instantly because because this is what boating is. This is, you know, if you all the places I'd seen before, you know, these last few stops in Italy, they were you know just as well maybe better visited by car, right? Fly in, drive around, that's what you're going to do. But, but boats are for anchoring, for island hopping, right? Mm-hmm. And so I had the most magical, little beautiful night in this anchorage. I was so happy. So then the next day, the seas had calmed fine. So we just kind of did that final scoot over to that La Castella. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, just around the corner there, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that castle, the vibe there, there was a great nightclub up on top of this restaurant overlooking the castle just opposite, just just beautiful, stunning spot. So definitely put that on the, yeah, yeah on the highlight reel for sure. Okay. Great discovery. Well, I went right by it, and I could have just as easily stopped there. So you did more research ahead of time than I did. Uh yeah, well, I wanted to see stuff. You know, and I had I had good crew. At this point, I have crew who's willing to do the overnighters. Um, but still, you know, and we, and we had to do a few. You know, when we left Gallipoli, we left at 4 a.m., you know. And now we left uh, La Castella. Well, we were hungover this morning. We woke up La Castella. But at this point, we're actually looking at the weather very closely. There is just some... 
there's a lot of thunderstorms and weird stuff. I mean, the, the, the hot summer, I think, caused the sea to get really warm, which is driving these thunderstorms. And, um, yeah, so we woke up a bit hungover. We finally left around, I don't know, 4 o'clock um, for, uh, for the next stop. Yeah. Rochella Ionic, Ionica. And that's where I, I did stop in there. In fact, I watched the uh, Italian-British football match for some some championship there the summer before last in that little town we pulled in just in time for the match to start and uh, that's where i saw those boats that were on the hard that uh that looked to me like they'd been demolished on purpose for uh and you can still sort of see them on google earth that looks like they'd been destroyed purposely to keep people from using them again <laughs> Well, I also saw that it's a pretty big port, pretty yeah. big harbor, and they had a, probably a dozen of these derelict boats floating. And I know they had a little travel lift um, and maybe some on, on the hard, too. They had these poor boats and they're just banging up against the key, you know, the whole, you know, without fenders, you know, and, and, and they're just getting destroyed. <laughs> you know, big holes, you know, there's not much of a tow rail left because it's bashing against the, mm-hmm. the concrete. So, yeah. Um, I mean, it's a useful stop. I mean, it's just kind of one of those, you know, as we entered, we approached, oh, boy, the sky was just lighting up in front of us. I mean, we were, we actually put life jackets on. We were getting all set for, you know, in foul weather gear for the final approach. And so we made it in the harbor. We tied up. We also had a finger pier there, or a finger dock. Um, and we had about 10 drops of rain, and that was it. I, somehow when the, the thunderstorm, you know, got close to the coast, it just kind of fizzled out. So... Yeah, yeah. But at least the temperature dropped. Now, I pulled into that port initially on my pass-through when I was sailing all the way across the uh, the Mediterranean, probably in about, probably about 1999. And that port was being built. It was had finger pontoons, but there was no, uh, there was no uh, fuel dock, and it was a dusty harbor. And we were out of fuel. We were totally out of fuel. And so we gathered up a bunch of jerry cans and walked into town to uh, to a gas station in town. And fi- fortunately, the guy at the gas station gave us a ride back to the boat. But uh, a lot has changed since then. Now it's a fully developed port. But back then, it was still finger piers. But uh, that was all. So mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's nice. It's a big port. It, you know, it's, it's, you know, the cheapskate cruisers, you know, stay there it's, it's known i think when you read the forums and things that this is one of the less you know least expensive places maybe to winch your boat i think one disadvantage is it's, it's pretty far from any decent airport I mean, you're kind of in the middle of nowhere yeah that's always um, been i what i've seen is the trade-off you know it may be cheap but it's certainly not convenient to get there so I mean, i've seen right? that over and over again but uh yeah but it's and a maybe nice no chandler nearby. Yeah, yeah, because they really didn't have anything. Yeah, it didn't really have much as as far as services. Uh, they did finally put a fuel dock in, which I used, and uh, and you know decent pontoons. But yeah, it, it's a long ways from anywhere. It felt mm-hmm. like to me, yeah. 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 So the next day, yeah, we didn't leave quite early. So you know the the, the next. The next stop is basically Terramina on Sicily. Yeah. Um, but we're but the weather is just the weather is doing a lot of crazy stuff. So we're just glued to windy. You know, the windy app is, is amazing, right? I guess you yep. probably use it. Love as well. that. And, and I see you did spend a night in Bova Marina, about where I anchored, pretty close to where I anchored in that area before you hopped over to Terramina. Yeah. Well, we're sitting for the most of the you know the next day. We pulled into that Rochella Rochella Ionica mm-hmm. fairly you know after dark that night. The next day we kind of. Weather was was crazy. There was I mean, it wasn't raining on us, but you just just see the darkest, nastiest clouds all around you. And like, well, and you're looking at windy, and you know, windy does an amazing job of aggregating all kinds of different sources. They're overlaying radar and their wind models and currents and you know, predicted thunderstorms. And but the most useful probably is the real radar. Well, the radar because that's showing actual you know thunder cells as they move around with lightning strikes. Um, and then they have some models of thunderstorming, you know, predictions of where thunderstorms are going, which, of course, is you know, far from an, an exact science. But we're staring at this all day, you know, trying to keep, keep us, you know, don't want to get caught in anything out there. I guess we finally did leave at about 6 p.m. 
for the overnighter towards Terramina. And, and we nailed it. We had the perfect little weather window. We saw like little thunder cells all, you know, all on the horizon. There were like probably five different spots where thunder was, was flashing off, um, you know, easily 100 miles away, you know, perhaps, right? But in every direction, you could almost see some lightning. But we got in. And then as we were doing pretty good speed, I think we were mostly motoring. Um, so we were going a little faster than, than that five-knot average. And as we uh, were just a beam of Bova Marina, I looked and I said, God, we're going to get to Hermione at 5 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Because we're going faster than we thought. And thanks to Navali, you know, the, Navali led me to Bova Marina. I said, all right, let's take this little detour. It was, we were only two miles off. So let's take a little detour and just drop the hook. It looked like a nice, easy place to just drop anchor. Let's drop the hook. Let's get a few hours of sleep and let's, you know, resume, you know. At uh, you know maybe four a.m. or something. Okay, so it was just basically an anchor drop to get a little sleep for you. For me, that was just the last stop before I headed across to Terramina. So mm-hmm. yeah, did you did you did you go on shore there? No, I didn't. I didn't feel like launching the dinghy. I just stayed on the boat. But I did have an Italian that that had a boat that came out, and he was an American Italian. He came out and started talking to me about living in. Uh, in the United States and how he missed it and how all the corruption that he has to deal with in Italy was terrible. <laughs> and he says, you don't know, it's impossible to build every, I mean, he just went on and on and on. But now that was my memory of, of that anchorage was this, uh, this American Italian that had gone, his family was from that town. And so he went back and to his, to his, to his roots, but he wasn't happy about it. So. <laughs> oh, funny. Yeah. 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 So we, yeah, well, we dropped, I mean, I look at my thing. We dropped anchor at 1 a.m. and picked it up again at 5. So we just want a little rest. You know, let's get a yeah. few hours sleep. Let's be a little more rested for arriving in Terramina. So, so it only, yeah, there's only 30 miles to go to cross the whole Strait of Messina thing or get over to, you know, from the, off the mainland mm-hmm. to Sicily. And Terramina, of course, I'd been there before in 2008 and I thought it was super cool. So we pulled in. We actually use the services. There's a guy called George from Malta who famously runs a, a, a buoy zone there. Mm-hmm. Yep. But a full service buoy zone where you, it's not cheap, I think. <laughs> I feel embarrassed that we did this. I mean, you can anchor there, but we paid 60 euro per night for two nights to be on the buoy. But the thing they offer, they'll not only take your trash, but they'll organize breakfast. You can order a little menu and they'll bring breakfast out to you or a pizza <laughs> or organize your car rental. So basically, he's. He's offering concierge services on these buoys, <laughs> okay. which is really cool. Probably, probably more geared to a little bit bigger yachts uh, than, than ours. Mm-hmm. Um, and but it was kind of neat. And he lives himself on a boat, so he has a very modest sailboat. He was one buoy over from me. His daughter lives in a little powerboat on you know, the other buoy. So it's kind of fun and kind of coming sort of to more or less a new place. Just getting. You just get a lot of useful information from them really fast. You kind of get the lay of the land, where the dinghy goes, you know, how how far the drive is to Mount Etna, you know, for touring. So, well, that was so worthwhile that was, for for you. Then I looked at that and thought, no, nah, I'm not going to pay for us. So I went and anchored fairly close to where the uh, the beach was, and we could go on up and go across to the main road and catch the bus from there. But uh, we're in the same area. We spent probably three or four nights just at anchor right there. And, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I saw those buoy fields. I never did use them, but I saw them. So you're saying it was worthwhile for you from your perspective. You know, the first night, but then we were lazy and we stayed a second night because we should have said, come on, this is like, we shouldn't be spending <laughs> 60 euro. When we, I, I didn't buy an anchor for nothing. Right. I mean, so, and I saw where, you know, there was probably reason you have to anchor pretty close in though. And like, I, I don't like to anchor any more than 10 meters. Yeah. Like but it was, get... it was a, you know, but it was a good sandy bottom. And when I was there, there was pretty strong wind, so you could see if you were you were uh, if you were holding or not. But uh, no, I was I was happy to anchor. But you you know, anytime you anchor, whenever you leave the boat, you're always nervous, always nervous. You're always worried about dra- dragging while you're gone. But sure. uh, but I did leave the boat for a while. You know, I never had problems there. But yeah, anyway. So I'm curious. So now we're at the very end of the trip, and I'm going to have to break this up into two. Two episodes because we've been talking about an hour and forty-five minutes now, and uh, so the last leg to where you put the boat up, and I assume that's where the boat is right now, Reposito. It is Reposito. Reposito. Mm-hmm. How did you find Reposito. out about this? Is it out of the water or in the water? 
it is in the water. Ah, this is the first time okay. I left the yeah yeah. So we we left Taramina after a couple nights and sailed down to the final spot, Riposter. It's it's a big full service marina, very nicely protected marina, right at the foot of Mount Etna, and um, and it's the website for sailing in the Mediterranean and beyond is www.medsailor.com. Again, medsailor.com. Life is short. In the end, all that really matters is the memories you make. So make a few. Go sailing. Joel, you want to know something? What? Every now and then, say what the f***. What the f*** gives you freedom? Freedom brings opportunity. Opportunity makes your future. If you can't say it, you can't do it. If you have any thoughts or comments and you wish to communicate with me, write me by email, franz1 at medsailor.com. franz1 at medsailor.com. I'm always looking for suggestions or comments on the podcast, if you have people who you think I should be interviewing, I look forward to that information. If you have people that you think I should be talking to on this podcast, let me know their name and their contact information, and I will reach out to them. I've reached out to a lot of people over the years that people have suggested, and quite often they never respond to my uh, my inquiries. So that's why you don't end up hearing from those people that you may recommend. All right, get out there and go sailing. Thanks. <laughs>